welcomes you to Up Close, a weekly public affairs program presented by Z1077 News. You're invited to call in with your questions and comments. Our call-in number is 366-8471. Now, your host for Up Close, Gary Danielle. Well, thank you, mystery announcer, wherever you are, and welcome to the Z1077 Up Close show on this drop-dead gorgeous March 25th of 2022. I'm Gary Danielle. Our producer is Claire Grow, and our phone number for you to call is 760-366-8471. The Z1077 Up Close show is a special presentation of Z1077 News presented in the public interest. Our guest in studio today from the Josh Tree Retreat Center Executive Director Terry Taylor Castillo. Terry, good morning and welcome to the Z1077 Up Close Show. Good morning. Thank you. And uh, Deputy Director Marie Boba. And Marie, uh, welcome to the Up Close Show. Delighted to have you here. Thanks for having us, Gary. Well, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but first, I want to, uh, Terry, to straighten out the whole thing about mental physics, Joshua Retreat Center. Who's on first? Uh, give us right. a scorecard. How does all that okay. work? Well, um, the Institute of Mental Physics is the nonprofit name for the Joshua Tree Retreat Center, which is our doing business as name. I think years ago, for money, they decided to bring in other church groups, other like-minded religious or spiritual organizations, and to do retreats there and enjoy the property. And it started to be called the Retreat Center. And I think the former management decided, well, let's call it the Joshua Tree Retreat Center. Um, and then people were writing checks out to that, and we couldn't cash them. I mean, I wasn't there, but... So yeah. they had to get a DBA. So they did that, that, yeah. So but it's the Institute of Mental Physics doing right. business as the Joshua, Joshua Tree, Tree Retreat, Retreat Center. Center. Yes, and okay. it's still very much the Institute of Mental Physics, and we're hoping it will even be more so in the future. When I was a kid growing up in Santa Barbara, uh, I remember I was seven, eight years old, uh, one of my aunts would always come to the Institute of Mental Physics in Joshua Tree. She came up here for wow. a lot of events. Yeah. So I've always been aware of it. It's always been kind of a mysterious place. Uh, she always presented it as, as you know, she's going to you know go to go find herself and oh, a mysterious place. And never thinking years later I'd move here. And actually, uh, now I've been conducting a business uh, within five miles of this mysterious right. place in Joshua Tree. So uh, let's go back to parting the shrouds of time. Let's go back to the very beginning of the Institute of Mental Physics. So w w what started them? Um, well, Help us solve okay. the mystery. They started <laughs> in L.A. Uh, Edwin Dingle had traveled to China to map China, actually. We have a huge book of maps from China that he, he published. He, um, at one part of his walking tour, basically, he got very ill and met up with some Tibetan monks who taught him some different yogic breath work uh, exercises and things that really restored his health. And he was really surprised by it and was, you know, couldn't get these things out of his mind and kept doing them. And so when he returned from China, he thought, I need to bring these teachings to the Western world. And I think he took about 10 years of just 
kind of sitting with all of it, maybe studying more, and then opened, um, started to teach, and then opened a center. So he was a, a map maker right. by and profession. Publisher, yeah. yeah. Went yeah. to China to map China. Yeah. And then learned these Tibetan techniques, and it, mm-hmm. it, it changed his life, obviously. It did, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he was very charismatic, too. I think he's the right person to try to teach something. And I think at the time, there were other people bringing um, teachers from India, like the theosophists. So there was like a spiritual movement then. And so he started in L.A., with the church, and then he felt he needed to come to the desert to create a whole city, actually, and also have a place for his students to come and really, you know, get in touch with their spiritual nature and nature. <clears throat> so in 41, he found the property, and of course, there's a story that goes that a beam of light came down and it what's well, the Jasutri vortex it was <laughs> yes, right it's right there yeah. so that was it that was the spot <laughs> and um so he he purchased the land which was a square mile and started to plan for the city and he wanted frank lloyd wright to be the architect and because he felt like organic architecture and he would understand but i think frank lloyd wright didn't like the ley line thing and a ley line is um, I think this started in England and Edwin Dingle was from England where there's energy grids um, where things like Stonehenge was built Uh on an energy line so Edwin Dingle really wanted the buildings to be on those lines and absorb that energy and Frank Lloyd Wright said no I usually build things where I want them to be and then he's well, that's interesting. Okay. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting tingles now. So he's, and we don't have exact like we have some letters because we've been. We'll get into our um, historic. I'll let Marie talk about that. Um, so we have even more stuff now that's the story's coming together. But um, basically, Frank Lloyd Wright said, "I think this is an important project, and I'm going to see if my son will do it." So his son did do it. So we have. the largest collection of Lloyd Wright buildings, who was Frank Lloyd Wright Jr., um, in ever, you know, anywhere. And they're beautiful. I want to go back to these energy lines. Okay. Um, So Dingle felt that there was energy lines in this property Mm -hmm. in Joshua Tree, wanted the buildings to be aligned with them. Right. How do you map those? Was it uh, uh, um, was it a technique? I mean... That is a very good question. My sense of it is... And he was a map maker. Yeah. So right. Yeah. But if you ever seen people when they do the water witching? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, my sense is he probably had some kind of way of measuring energy. Okay. You know, I mean that's been something people have done for years. Okay. All right. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. So now, Marie, you're you're doing some of the research on the early history of the Institute of Mental Physics. No, I'm not doing the research. We actually you just know the stuff. (laughs) Okay. We well, we actually contracted uh, an architectural historian. His name is Daniel Paul, and um, to draft the historical designation application for the property, which is a sort of monstrous job. 
Uh, it's a hundred page application that he put together that he then submitted to the National Register of Historic Places. And is it still a square mile? Or is the property? No, no. Actually, um, is it Section 33? Is that on the corner? Section 33 is right across the street. From us, yeah. yes. So that was sold. They had a water issue, of course, in uh-huh. the desert. There's always been some issues in, with water. So they sold that to pay off some debt. Okay, so Section 33 was yes. part of it. So it used and, to be bisected by the highway. Right. Okay. And I right. saw an old picture of an aerial view and there was a huge triangle on the other side triangles were a big thing for Edwin Dingle so I'm like whoa what were they going to do and there were plans they had drawn out some little you know pathways and stuff but so they that never got done Um, and then recently we our back acreage which if you're on site that's across the wash we sold to the Mojave Desert Land Trust, which is now um, it's part of a wildlife corridor. Yes, exactly. Right. So, Marina, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you no, in, in no, mid presentation, but, just, but just I had to, to let everyone know. Yeah, it's not a square mile yeah. anymore. It's okay. about uh, what did we decide? 180 acres okay. left of the main campus. Yeah, well, that's about a half a square mile, so yeah. that's still a pretty good size. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so this historian is going back and tracking all that. He is. He uh, did about six to seven months worth of research. Uh, went through all of the archives at UCLA and is sort of piecing the history back together. We're really excited because we've never had um, the full history. We've had a lot of stories told to us by different people who have been here for (laughs) decades. Um, And so this will allow us to have the official history of the site um, and also eventually publish that history. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned Edward Dingle had a thing for triangles. And anybody who has been at, at the site recognizes that Lloyd Wright used triangles mm-hmm. in, in most of the buildings there. Right. Uh, yeah. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so modern day, uh, the Institute of Mental Physics uh, was operated as a church from the early, from the 40s all the way through yeah. the 60s, I believe, for quite some well, time. Yeah. Uh, longer than that, <clears throat> we, it's still a church. We still have our sanctuary. And recently, actually, we... Um, Frank Haggard and Evelyn Haggard. I don't know if you know who they are, but they I know are, who Frank Haggard is. Yeah, yeah, so Frank and Evelyn have been doing their own, they have their own study groups and have um, taught several people all the, enough of the mental physics studies to become reverends. And Clive Wright, one of the reverends, asked, could we do our, nomin- our um, ordination in the sanctuary? And I said, let me well what, what days and so yeah I said great so then I thought well wouldn't it be neat if Frank came back and did a church a traditional church service and he did and it was really wonderful and we're going to start doing those again so once nope. a month we're hoping at least okay so you're kind of you're kind of going back to your roots a little bit and yeah. start offering what is really the essence of the Institute of Mental Physics of exactly. what started yeah. all. Uh, take us on a kind of a, a visual guide of of the grounds. What was the first thing that was that was put in? Was it the sanctuary building that that big gorgeous sanctuary? No, it wasn't. That came okay. later. Um, the first one was, and Daniel Paul figured this out. There were some cottages built, and that, I, we're not totally sure when, but maybe one was existing. 
and they built onto this cottage um, a home for Edwin Dingle and the administration building. So that we call the Dingle May House, and that was the first one built. And is, then, it, is it still there? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, and of course it's the one that needs the most help right now. Well, it's the oldest building. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then after that, they. Uh, built the caravansary which is really the most remarkable building i think there is it's the one that um 25 rooms that go down in friendship hall i'm sure you've been in yeah, i've been yeah. in friendship hall many the times best there. view and yeah. um we have some of the old mansion builders and we have one on our website that we put the whole issue on and it shows all the different pictures of them building it and i'm don't even know how it happened i mean they they quarried the rocks from the hills they were out in the sun all day you know it's incredible wow yeah okay. so so that was the first building so dingle may house was the first building and then the caravansary which was freedom hall was, that, yeah, yeah that one was next then they let's see then there's the cafeteria and the ridge cottages and that was in the 50s they started that and the cottages are so people who are like on retreats or, or coming to to get knowledge right from uh, yeah f- from dingle's teaching would, mm-hmm. would stay there yes exactly okay. they had a lot of weekend guests well i believe um, my uh, my aunt Lori was one of them i bet yeah she she would come out <laughs> to the really institute and spend a couple yeah. weeks on a regular basis so, yes yeah. so that's yeah that's what people did and then um so Lloyd Wright built those two, the cafeteria, which now is um, Food for Thought Cafe. Which and has great pea soup, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and we just launched our new menu, too. And, um, but the Ridge Cottages are real cute little rooms. They're more like little motel rooms. And then after that, they wanted, of course, the sanctuary. But at that point, Lloyd Wright had made a design that was really wild. It just, it almost looks kind of like the place at the LA airport that's real futuristic, uh-huh. <clears throat> kind of up off the ground. And, um, but he didn't like the contractor that was going to build it. Like they were having arguments and he felt like, well, maybe it's my time to step away from the whole project. So someone else came in, um, I don't have that name at the moment, and built the sanctuary and then built all the apartments. So there were apartments where students could actually live or reverends um, could stay there. And then the, uh, no, we call it Noble Hall, is another big teaching area, too. So we had two large teaching rooms. Are, are those church. rooms, you said they were similar to motel rooms, are they they're still there? Yeah. Are people yeah, staying in them? still there. Yes, yeah. they are. Okay. Now, are, are those people staying there people who are attending educational or events at Institute of Mental Physics or the visitors or who, who, who's, who's coming there? Both. Um, there are retreat groups that come from all over the country, and so they have their students stay there and then use the teaching spaces during the day. And recently we launched what we're calling personal retreat stays, and that is to service individuals who want to stay on the property and sort of curate their own stay so they can attend some of our wellness classes and stay for a minimum of two nights um, on site in one of the rooms. But it's not open for like recreational, for like if someone wants to visit Joshua Tree, wants to just stay there? 
We are trying to stay away from that. Um, that's part of the reason why we have a two-night minimum. We don't want it to be a pit stop. Right. Um, it's not really, an Airbnb. Right. right. You really have to want to be on the property to enjoy, um, you know, nature and organic architecture and wellness offerings. Um, and so, and the rooms are very simple. You know, we say it on our website. There are no televisions. The idea is that there be no distractions. <laughs> hey, yeah. If people pay 400 bucks to stay in a teepee, that, <laughs> who, who knows what that would I be. Know. So. Uh, what's the capacity? How many, how many rooms do you have there? Well, um, so of the little cottages that we just mentioned. And they're, cottages means they're not like a little house. They're right. the rooms. But there's 21 of those. Okay. Uh, the caravansary has 25 rooms, which eight of those are suites, so there's two rooms connected. And then we have three cottages that we have um, that usually are used by the retreats. So like if they rent part of the space and their teachers want a cottage, they those are actual little houses. Now, uh, the, the founder of the L.A. Free Press. Uh, oh, yes, the, Art Kunkin. Art Kunkin lived there yes. for a long time he was he actually did. in residence do you have yeah. the people who are resident or was that just um, an, I mean, he was an unusual guy so <laughs> yeah. yes he was uh we don't really it's art um so one of our board members paul andrews started the whole lifetimes you know that uh it was a free well actually art started it and then he did the whole life expos which were men of metaphysical all the you know upcoming authors and mm -hmm. teachers and all that um, so he knew art I actually knew art from way back and he I'm not even sure how art was interested in mental physics first of all he thought it was brilliant and then there was a trailer a mobile home type thing on the, the grounds and Paul said, hey, why don't you move out and, you know, help teach or be part of the scene there. And I actually ran into Art Kunkin right before he was moving at a book signing somewhere. Wow. Yeah. Did and he it? told me, I'm moving to Joshua Tree. I said, where? Yeah. And he said, the Institute of Mental Physics. I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> and then years later, I came on site and he was getting older and he came to meet me he's going do i know you <laughs> like, yeah. yeah we met a few times in the past so. okay uh, so you had uh, kind of a celebrity staying there yeah. uh, but uh, but he was he was teaching and active with the institute of mental physics he was at first and then he um i think that yeah probably when he first got out there in 99 how would you describe the the religion, the spirituality that manifests itself mm -hmm. as the Institute of Mental Physics. Uh, you know, we have we have Christian, we have right. we have Muslim, we have Jewish, we have different yeah. faiths. Where does that where does that all fit in? Well, it fits in pretty well with just about anything you personally believe because it's they describe it more of a science, like it's breath work, it's techniques, it's studying all the different teachings not just one you know master or master teacher so really you'll find a lot of basic spirituality that is ancient you know goes back beyond jesus's time on earth so and they definitely acknowledge jesus as a 
spiritual teacher of great importance. So it's, um, it's also something where, like, if you were a reverend of mental physics, you could take the basic teachings but also, you know, put your own, um, like, if, say, if you're more Buddhist or more Hindu-oriented, you can bring that. Into and it. all of that hinges on the Tibetan teachers. Right. Tibetan teachings that yeah. Edwin Dingle experienced in China while he was out making maps. Exactly. Amazing <laughs> how, how things start. Yeah. Uh, present day uh, mental physics. We're going to talk about that, but first mm-hmm. got to take a little break. We'll be okay. back with more of the Z1077 Up Close Show. Our guest in studio today is the executive director of the Institute of Mental Physics, doing business at Joshua Tree <laughs> Retreat Center, uh, Terry Taylor Castillo, and deputy director Marie Balbon. I'm Gary Danielle. Our producer is Claire Gray. And if you'd like to call, our number is 760-366-8471, and we will be right back. And we are back with the Z1077 Up Close Show. I'm Gary Dignon. Our guests in studio today from the Institute of Mental Physics, doing business as Josh Tree Retreat Center, Executive Director Terry Tater Castillo, and Deputy Director Marie Baban. Uh, 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 Terry, before we uh, move on to what's going on nowadays at Mental Physics, a little bit about you. What what brought you? Uh, where are you from? Well, I grew up in Pasadena. Oh, so you're a Kelly girl. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Last week, I had the Torn Palms Historical Society, and there's an amazing connection between Pasadena and the high desert. It's well, yeah. it, it's, know, it's, the, a, it's it's really fascinating. The architect who uh, built all the apartments and everything was O.K. Earl, who did a lot of huge buildings. I would see his little symbol in all the, a lot of buildings in Pasadena growing up. So you come from Pasadena, yeah? Okay. And um, in the so in the seventies, I got really interested in angels and uh, metaphysics. Uh huh. So I started to like study like you know, what are angels doing when they're not saving people from car crashes and things like that, and just kept researching it and couldn't find a book that I wanted to. Um, that would kind of answer those questions. So I would keep a journal and do some writing. And I was telling a friend one day, I said, I should just write a book on angels because I can't find one that's kind of current and has the same interests I do. And he said, why don't you? I'm like, hmm. And I had friends who were book editors and everything. Well, anyway, long story short, I did write a book and it got published and it became very popular and there was, it's kind of started an angel movement. Well, what's the name of your book? Um, Messengers of Light. Messengers of Light, and I'm yeah. sure it's available on Amazon? <laughs> I, re- I did a, yeah, you can still okay. get it. I don't oh. know if it's even still in printing. I'll, I'll, I'll give a little shout out for your book. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, that was in the 90s. Yeah. So anyway, Paul Andrews, who I had mentioned before from the whole, whole Life Expo, asked me to come and, and do a talk on angels because... You know, the book was popular, and the the topic was gaining popularity. And what's interesting about that, and the reason I'm bringing it up, is I met Don and Barbara Waldrop, who had been the chancellors after Ding LeMay died at the retreat center, at the Institute of Mental Physics. And they went to my um, talk, and afterwards came up and gave me one of um, Edwin Dingle's books, Life in Tibet, 
and said, oh, I wish you would come to mental physics and help us. We, we really need help out there. And, and I've always loved Joshua Tree. I'd gone camping as a kid and, you know, trips and stuff like that. So I thought, oh, I love Joshua Tree. I thought, yeah, I should come out. And then I had a boyfriend at the time who was there. I said, hey, we need to go to Joshua Tree and, you know, see if we can help them. I don't even know what we were going to do, but, you know, they explained what was going on. So I never went out to visit them. But I kept seeing that book in my bookcase, and I'd feel really bad. I'm like, dang, I haven't gone out there. I wonder what's going on. So years later, when I saw Art Kunkin and he said, hey, I'm, I'm moving to the Institute of Mental Physics, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was supposed to go out there a while back and never did. But anyway, See, here a, I am. A little pull from here, yeah. a little pull from there. Something they teach you in interviewing school. It's never go past what they call the, the vein of gold. Well, you just opened up a big vein with the angels <laughs> thing, so I'm not going to... Oh, I, we can do I, that. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to, uh, to belabor it, but what is the definition of an angel? Well, it's... From, a, the, from the, the expert on angels. I will just give a very brief. It's a being yeah. of light, helpful, spiritual being that... Um, you know, uh, it's something different probably for everyone. Something people feel mostly, like they feel protected or if they've been in a situation and gotten out of it and can't explain. Um, one of the reasons I was so interested is I heard so many stories from adults growing up of little things and so, yeah, that's, again, a whole other <laughs> vein of gold. So uh, look up Messengers of Light and uh, you can find out more about that. And I, I, I don't want to belabor that, but it's, it's again, this is yeah. some interesting stuff coming up. But it is up, what so. kind of got me into yeah. the whole. Okay. So that got me here. So that brought you to Joshua Tree yeah. in, what was it, mid-90s, you said? Um, no, in 99 okay. is when Art came. Um, my husband and I moved out here in 2014. We had been coming out to the area for a lot. That was our getaway all the time and thought, someday we'll buy land. And so we did. And then we opened Taylor Junction, um, and I was on Facebook, and I saw Paul Andrews was on uh, Facebook, too. So I went, oh. So I, and he said he lived in Joshua Tree. So I thought, well, that's weird. So now Paul Andrews is in Joshua Tree, too. So I connected with him, and he goes, no, I'm, I don't live here. He does contact in the desert here and, uh -huh. and was part of the board, which he still is. So I said, well, stop by. I have a gallery that we're opening, you know, downtown. And he did. And then we talked. He took me on a tour of the, the grounds and said, you should get on the board. Um, we need local people who are, you know, um, understand metaphysics and all that. And so long story short, I... So ended up on the board. The rest, <laughs> as they say, is history. <laughs> right. So, so. right. Marie Bobin, how long have you been in the desert? Uh, my husband and I moved out here in 2017, 2018. And where are you from? Pasadena? Nope. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. I'm, fr I'm actually, I'm a dual citizen. I'm French-American, so grew up. Uh, my parents moved out, moved us out to California uh, when I was a preteen. Uh, so we lived in Los Angeles. So you're still a Cali girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what, what bridged you from Los Angeles to the high desert? Ah, uh, 
you know, my we were we were looking for a different uh, quality of life. Really, we were sort of done with traffic and all the things people live leave cities for. Um, and essentially, we wanted to be uh, near a national park because we're national park people. And there we are. And here we are. Okay, well, it's wonderful. Well, Maria, I, I have to uh, give you a little personal pat on the back for the work you do with the Big Read every year. Uh, people may not be aware, but Marie's sort of the guiding light behind that whole effort. And that's quite a process, getting those that enter, the, the, the big grants and then putting on all those events. And I just, I think you'd be commended for that. So. Well, thanks so much. And we love that you partner with us yeah. every year. And it does take a village. And the Big Reads really only possible because of all the organizations that come together under one banner. Well, it's important. One of the things uh, I, uh, I really like about the desert, and Terry kind of uh, uh, made reference to it is a quality of life uh, the quality of life is different it's a little slowed back we can do things like uh, learn about angels and find about instrumental physics and you know we may scoff at vortexes but there are people who believe very strongly in them yeah. and that Joshua is part of that entire mm -hmm. global process so um, Joshua Tree used to have some uh, the Joshua Tree Retreat Center we had, we had Bhakti Fest we had Contact in the Desert mm -hmm. some all those big things I haven't seen those in the past few years has something changed? something did change <laughs> okay <laughs> um, I remember Bhakti Fest was huge it'd be yeah. thousands of people here uh, there were it was um, so when I started there in 2017 and I had been on the board before um, I just continued whatever contracts we had that year and just that's what the board wanted let's just see how all this goes and I really didn't know that much about um, the county and how you do a large event but it turns out that really a place like us either has to be an event center which would cost millions to create or you get a temporary special event permit and you're not really supposed to have more than one or two a year and so people were using temporary special event permits for actually kind of becoming an event center and the county didn't said that's enough so basically the events grew bigger than the facility was exactly. able to comfortably house true. them. Yeah, so, okay. it, w it was hard on the whole place, for sure. Uh, so things kind of settled down, but now I see a little bit of a rebirth. There's, a, there's an excellent little restaurant you just opened <laughs> out there. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, it's in the cafeteria that Lloyd Bright built. <clears throat> and, we, and when I actually, when I came on the board, there was always talk like, oh, we should open this to the public. But retreat groups would book it out and just use it for themselves and bring in their own chefs. So it was hard to get space and time to do that and take over the whole thing ourselves. But from the shutdown, we had time because... Because of COVID, nothing right. was going on, yeah. Yes, and the other thing about that is because of COVID, we wanted to be in charge of how the food service went, you know, and how to be safe with it and all that. Now, I'm not going to let you get away with saying the cafeteria. Yeah, this place is remarkable. It's, it's, it's surrounded by glass right next to a koi pond with views of the desert, which are Yeah, it is really beautiful. Stunning. I, I, I can't think of any place I'd rather 
sit and and have yeah. a nice lunch. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. So it's not just the cafeteria. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's yeah. an amazing well, facility. And that's what's so wonderful that we get to share that now with everyone. And it's been a long time coming. And we even have church groups that come Sunday after church and come and have food and you know it's it's great so the uh, and, and there's starting to be events there's still mm-hmm. teachings going on in seminars and retreats mm-hmm. marie what, what is happening with that so we still have regular retreats that come out and then we've started our own wellness brought back our own wellness programming um and part of that is because we really want to make sure we can provide equitable wellness opportunities. Tell me about wellness programming. <laughs> What's been, what, what does that mean? So, what, what are you going to teach me there? <laughs> so wellness programming. Humility? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Anywhere from meditation to yoga to breath work. So staying with the precepts that started the Institute of Mental Physics. Absolutely. Okay. And a lot of those uh, classes are by donation. We really don't want to turn people away for lack of means. So it's another way that we can invite the community in um, to be part of the property and feel like they belong. Now, people who are interested in these offerings, uh, how do we find out when and where and how do we sign up for those? So we do have a mailing list. Our website is www.jtrcc.org. And we have a calendar that lists all of the programs, the daily programs. Um, And then we do have Facebook and Instagram channels. And we recently started Joshua Tree Yoga, which is for our programming that's yoga specific. Um, And there's an Instagram channel for that as well. Terry, do you think we'll ever go back to the days of the huge events, uh, or is that a thing of the past, or are you looking to see how you can manage those? I think there's two answers to that. One, I feel like COVID sort of gave you a sense of getting that many people together so close is probably not the greatest thing. And also because it's so hard on the property, and the buildings are old, and we... You know, I don't know if you need to have large events to have a good experience. We would rather see smaller events, um, more community events, and we hope to someday have more open houses, which is what we do where people, all our teachers are available that day. You can take different classes. Um, There'll be talks, there's architecture tours. And more things like that, because I, I feel the festivals, it's just not the right place anymore. So things like Desert Days, which was going to be huge, yeah. uh, kind of veered away from the principles that, that you wanted to stay with? Um, yes, that. And again, it's, um, you know, the park, There's it's not a place where we really can handle that many people. Right. And the other sad thing is, um, since I know the property pretty well now, like after those events would leave, it took two weeks for the little animals to come back. Like I know where they all kind of hang out, sort of, and I'd be like, uh oh, where are you guys? You know? I can imagine. Yeah. yeah, it was hard on yeah. everything. I'm, I remember driving by there during Bhakti Fest, and it looked like every space was full yeah. of mm-hmm. vendors, yeah. and, and uh, yeah. it was a great event. My I wife, mean, my is, wife loved it. She oh, went to we, it. And you know, it was really that's cool. the thing that if I do miss anything, I miss that those were fun events. 
In Bhakti Bhakti Fest, uh, the principles were based on the principles of mental physics anyway, so it it fit with your mission. It did. Yeah. Yeah. But a rock concert, not so much. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to take another quick little break. We're going to talk about what's being planned in the future for mental physics, what we may or may not see at that uh, very distinctive corner of Joshua Tree. We'll be back with more of the Z1077 Up Close show right after these. And we are back with the Z1077 Up Close show. I'm Gary Dineau. Our guest in studio today from the Institute of Mental Physics, doing business as Joshua Tree Retreat Center, Executive Director Terry Tater Castillo, and Deputy Director Marie Bobon. I'm going I'm to loop loop back a little bit. We were talking toward the beginning of the show about the history of of the Institute of Mental Physics and that property there, and and the whole thing with Lloyd Wright in the first buildings and then the second build. But I, I want to get a, a scope of what is on there now. What is what does the facility look like now? How many buildings? do we have? Uh, how much land does it cover? Uh, what, what are those buildings being used for? I know um, I'm active with a local nonprofit, and we have uh, had events up there, and it's really a great facility. We've had a volunteer appreciation dinners up there for volunteers, and we've had um, dinners there where we've hosted our awards for our own members of our, our nonprofit. Do you still have those kind of events? Are you still open to that? We are. Uh, we actually work with quite a few local nonprofits, uh, Mill Tree Veterans Project, Harrison House Music, Arts and Ecology, um, to name a few, uh, as well as Choya Needles, um, who we host um, at community rates uh, or free for free when we can uh, to have their events on the property. Because the idea is, and this is in, in the Institute of Mental Physics bylaws as well, um, is that we work with the community and that we be a center that's open to partnerships and, like that. And speaking for, for my nonprofit, uh, we do pay, but it's a very, very fair, reasonable rate. And I think it's mostly paying for people to clean up after Right, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just to cover yeah. costs. Yeah. So so what is at the facility now? What what are the buildings? What are the main areas that are that are there now? I know we've got the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And the that's, sanctuary uh, and Noble Hall are the main teaching spaces. Uh, the sanctuary is also used as an event space. It's more conducive to that. Like Terry was saying earlier, we now are having monthly mental physics church services. The sanctuary is also used by our retreat groups. Um, and who, who facilitates the, uh, the services? Is there is there a reverend, a mental physics reverend? Is that is that, is that the title? Uh, yeah, that's okay. the title. And there are actually numerous reverends in the community now. And so what we're going to be doing is having a guest reverend okay. every month. Um, one of our reverends, Hannah, uh, actually teaches a weekly breathwork class. And breathwork, as we were saying earlier, is sort of one of the key exercises in mental physics. And so that's always available. And again, one of the key things things that Edward Dingle brought back from right. China. So mm-hmm. we, we, loop, we loop back to our history constantly. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, the, so we have the reverends are doing monthly services. Mm-hmm. So people who want to learn more about mental physics, which is a, really an enhancement to 
if you're a religious person, if you're a spiritual person, uh, it is an enhancement to all of that. You yeah. don't have to be a, a Buddhist or a Hindu yeah. or a Catholic or a Jew. If you are a spiritual person, then you pick up the spirituality of mental physics. That's that's what I'm getting, right. kind of getting here. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Non-denominational. Yeah. Okay. So uh, really, if you're a spiritual person, it would be a great way to kind of expand the spirituality a little bit with more of what is out there in the real world. So I, I get a, it all. It all just fascinates me. It's just so interesting. So we got the sanctuary, um, Noble Hall. Noble Hall. Now, and is Noble Hall located next to the sanctuary? Or is it a separate building? It's pretty close to it. Okay, so it's, it's close to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, the the facility that the restaurant is now. That is its original name is Water Terrace. Water Terrace. That's what I was. That's what I was trying to think right. of. Right, yeah. and the name for the cafe, Food for Thought Cafe, actually came from a recipe book that the Institute of Mental Physics had put out uh, in the fifties, and so there's some original recipes there. Not a lot have have ended up on the menu, partly because with time, we now know that margarine isn't healthy, for example. <laughs> um, but that's where I can't the, believe it's not butter. <laughs> that's where the name comes from. Okay. We didn't want to call, call it the I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> no. okay. Sorry. Sorry about that. I got a warped sense of humor. So are most of the facilities being used right now? Are we, uh, we seeing, I, I, again, I see more and more traffic there. I see more things going on. But not huge things. Well, more things are going on because really, as Terry was saying earlier, the 18 months the center was closed um, gave the board the time and the staff the time to reevaluate the direction. And part of the intent was really or what came out was a renewed focus to open the grounds to the community. So now there's a uh, art sculpture garden, which is free. Um, that people can visit. The cafe, as we were saying, is open for the first time ever in the center's history to the community. We now have personal retreats so people can stay. We have the wellness programs, and we're hoping to start architectural uh, and historical tours in the next few months once uh, we've received our historical designation status. Now, uh, some three million people a year come from Joshua Tree National Park. Um, do you have people who just kind of wander in and go, "What is this place?" Every day, yeah, okay. pretty much. And, and some and, people wander in thinking it's the park. It doesn't happen as much anymore, but um, they're like, "So where do we get into the park here?" <laughs> um, this, so you say you're planning architectural tours. Mm-hmm. Do you give tours of the site now? If someone uh, is interested in, in, in finding out yeah. this history? Uh, yeah, most of the tours are self-guided. We actually have we have a few different maps. We have a vortex map, so people can walk the property themselves and find the vortex locations. Um, and then we also have uh, we have a local artist, Jillian Sandell, who created a new beautiful map for us of all the buildings, and so you can sort of take your own organic architecture tour um, that way, and and uh, yeah, in the future, we're hoping to to have this be something regular because although we do talk to as many people as we can about the history, we we really know that there's such an interest that regular tours would be a welcome addition. So now when your friends call you from L.A. and they say, what's to do up there? 
you can add the Institute of Metal Physics tour uh, to the Integratron and, and Gruber right. Orchids and Noah Purifoy and all those things that aren't in the park but are tourist attractions up here. Right. I, I, are you prepared for increased traffic? Because I I think no. the word gets out about that. It's it's it'll be a that's a fascinating place to, to yeah. look at. I've I've got this map uh, that you showed me. It's it's very well done, and now I want to go walk around and look at all this stuff. <laughs> so, uh, are you prepared for that? Do you have a Do you have staff for I that? Hope or? So we do. Okay, yeah. we you, do, and we've you know. We're are you ready to become a tourist attraction? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, yeah, that's a dicey thing, but um, I think the right people are drawn to us. You know. Well, it's yeah. obvious once you get on there that there's a, a yeah. higher purpose than just taking tours. Yeah. So, or yeah. you know, I think we get people who are curious about the architecture a lot and then we also have people who are curious about the vortexes and the spiritual shop which we call the spirituality shop just got a lot of crystals yesterday in so <laughs> that'll be can fun. i get a copy of messengers of light there <laughs> actually no i should okay. order some and get them in, <laughs> yes, in just, stock. i had to ask <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break we'll be back with the final portion of the z1077 up close show i'm gary dineo our producer is claire grow and we will be right back And we are back with the final portion of the Z1077 Up Close Show. Our guest in studio today from the Institute of Mental Physics, Executive Director Terry Taylor Castillo, and Deputy Director Marie Bobon. We've been talking about the history of the Institute of Mental Physics and, and how it started, where we are now. You talked about a historic designation that you're working for. What, what will that do for the Institute? Um, the... Once we receive the historical designation status and the retreat center uh, would then be listed on the National Register of Historic Places, that allows us to really preserve and protect the property for future generations, meaning nothing that is not in line with the nonprofit's mission could be built there. Um, the buildings would be preserved, and uh, that would also allow us to apply for grant funding for architectural renovations for a lot of the work that needs to be done. Like Terry was saying earlier, Ding LeMay House is um, one of those older buildings that does require a lot of work. Uh, and are you planning on, on, on doing those renovations? Are those, uh, are those on the calendar? Uh, we are planning on doing those renovations. They are sort of on the calendar um, in the sense that we we started a an architecture and preservation giving campaign, and so we're raising funds in order to help us apply for the historical designation and then help us get a grant writer to apply for further funding. So people who are in the area who are interested in supporting the mission of instrumental physics, there is a way for them to donate to that, and it is a nonprofit organization. It is, and they can donate through the website, jtrcc.org. Okay. Terry, what do you see as the future of the the complex, the instrumental yeah. physics, the Joshua Tree Retreat Center? Where is that organization going? It sounds to me you're kind of going back to your roots. but Yeah, yeah. I, I think we need to preserve our roots, too, not just the buildings yeah. and the spiritual um, inspiration that's yeah, there. Like yeah, like the whole 
instead of it becoming another spa resort or a place for hipsters sorry but you know it's it needs to stay as it is because there's always going to be spiritual seekers and it's really important to have a place that stays you know as if like it was built for posterity and and marie what would you like to see uh, the future of mental physics I think, as you know, Terry was saying, um, there are so few spiritual centers left, uh, and I see this as one that really should be for the community that it is in, um, as well as for visitors to, um, you know, find themselves and so, find something different. So growth, different. but keeping with the, the the spirituality that started the right. and maintains the event. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being my guest this morning. If you're just joining us, uh, we had a fascinating morning this morning with uh, Terry Taylor Castillo and Marie Bobon of the Institute of Mental Physics. That's going to do it. We'll be back next week with more up close. Thanks for listening. Drive carefully and God bless. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Up Close, a weekly talk and interview program presented in the public interest by Z1077 News. Join Gary Denio again next Friday at 10 for more Up Close. Up Close.